millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My name is Jane. Gosh, that was very high. My hellos are often quite high-pitched, aren't they? They are a little bit. Well, hello, I'm Kurt. (laughs) And this is Made You Look, a podcast where we watch an episode of each other's favourite TV shows, try to work out why we actually enjoy the things that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. And generally get the other person watching something that we've been telling them to watch for way too long. Way too long. Thankfully, the podcast forces them to do it. That's right. I mean, I don't like this word. I've decided to move away from this word force. Force, especially after my kerfuffle about intellectual forcing and how violent that sounded last week. Yeah, I think we should just say encourage. Encourage. Or even make is better. Convince. Convinced. Make Um, is good. Make, yeah. It's a bit softer. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. (laughs) So... So this season we are doing hindsight. Yes, we're going back into certain TV shows that we've potentially done uh, a few seasons or episodes ago, but this time maybe picking a different episode that might be a bit more inclined to the other person's taste or maybe get a bit more of a gauge in terms of why we really love that show in general. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And we're going, we've sort of been sticking to season one shows at the moment. Unintentionally? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that those season one shows were shows that we were really passionate about Mm. because that's why we picked them in the first place. We, you know, we found the first lot of shows that we really wanted to meet the other person watch. So I I think that that's why we've returned to those ones because we still really want the other person to watch them. And we may have rushed into picking which episodes we thought would have worked. Yes. Look, we've we've grown and changed as a podcast. Very much so. And now that I kind of... I, I've, I've rethought about the kind of episode I would pick for this season and maybe didn't pick something from as far into the run. Yeah, what's it, like season three? I Last time I picked something from season four right. of this particular TV show. Yes, there was a lot of uh, sickness and stuff that was being uh, brought into the mix. Yeah, I just tried to give you like four years' worth of context in <laughs> um, one little recap, but basically the TV show that I made you watch was... Party of five. Gotta have those old 90s opening things. I love this song. I mean, it's all right. I think the nostalgic element is certain playing into effect here. I mean, yeah, it's just like a... I'm actually a big fan of just, like, 90s bops. Right, right. It's I just, think, like, my style of music. I think the only big 90s bop I was into was literally Mbop from Hanson. Stop that. <laughs> I actually had a necklace that had the, you know, those really gaudy ones that had letters and you could use them as, like, friendship bracelets on necklaces for other like people? The, like the little square? Yeah, the little square silver metallic cubes and yeah. a brown or black, like, string that holds them together. Yeah. That was my first, like, piece of male jewellery, and uh-huh. I don't think it was necessarily male, but it had the names Hanson on it, and I was really into them for a while. I'm sure you were. I buy that completely. I lost the necklace down the drain. It was very sad. Oh, poor little Kurt. Poor little Kurt losing his first piece of jewellery. It must have been very sad for you. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't think I listened to Hanson again for a few <laughs> years at least. I, I must say I never got that into Hanson, but I <laughs> I do enjoy this show, this 90s classic of the genre it's great. I just, I still can't get over <laughs> not seeing him as Jack Bauer. Not Jack Bauer. I keep saying that. Jack just Shepard. Jack, Jack Shepard. Should Jack just say Shepard. Jack from Lost. I understand. It, it took me, when I got back into this show, after I only watched bits and pieces of it as a kid, because mm. it was on, like, too late for me, 
Uh, it took me a while. It took me a couple seasons before it, I really remembered that it wasn't Jack because he's a very different character. Yes, extremely different. Similar to, I guess, like Six Feet Under, what's his name, and Parenthood, what's his name. Yeah, which I just totally didn't even recognize yeah, that they look, were the same person. Looked like a completely different person yeah. just because the actor was doing such a good job of portraying a different character they weren't typecast into. Yeah, the difference here is that that actor, Matthew Fox, Matthew Sounds Fox, about right. Uh, didn't really change all that much in between the two shows, aside from his hair, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Oh my gosh, the hair. The hair. Anyway, a little bit of production history. I won't go too much into it, but this show began in 1994, which is actually the same year that we talked about a few weeks ago with My So-Called Life. Yes, that's right. So this is clearly an era where teen programming was sort of starting to take off a little take bit. Off a little bit. Uh, this is a very different kind of show to My So-Called Life, which was really super hyper-realistic, and this one veers towards soap opera a little bit more. But I think that they both they have a lot of similarities. They're both kind of 90s and grungy, which is mm, fun. Mm. I think one of the strengths of this one is that uh, it doesn't physically have parents, so the older characters step up as the parental figures. Yes. And so it's all essentially still teens who are the central characters, but still has a strong family parental I mean, unit Charlie's element. 24. He's yes. not that young. But no, yes. but it still has that teen drama feel. Yeah, it feels very, very youth-oriented, and and that's because it, it definitely is. That was sort of the point of the show, mm. was what do you do when you put a, you know, five young people together with absolutely no parental supervision, what kind of life and upbringing are you going to have, which was sort of the concept of the show and, and what it ended up being. So it ran for six seasons. It began in 1994 and ended in 2000. It had a spin-off with Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's right. <laughs> okay. Maybe one day I'll give you that TV show, but it was not that good. Yeah. The, the best part about it is that it was like Jennifer Garner's first big role. Yeah. So it's like, Sydney, what are you doing there? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a, it was a great show. First two seasons were not that well received, uh, sorry, critically well received, but didn't have great ratings. But mm. then it won like an Emmy or something in right. its third season. And then suddenly it was a big hit. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's sort of the production history of it. It was obviously a big kind of star making vehicle for a couple of people, mm -hmm. such as Nev Campbell, who went on to be in the Scream franchise and various other things. Yes. And Jennifer Love Hewitt, mm -hmm. who went on to be in the... Ghost Whisperer. I mean, that wasn't what I was going with. What was Sister the... Sister Act. No, that was before this. Oh, it was. Uh, what was the the other horror franchise? <laughs> the other one that wasn't Scream. I know what you did last summer. Oh, yes. Was... I haven't seen a single one of those. Oh, well, that was sort of... They yeah, both, not... they both Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt, like, in the same break between seasons, went off to do these different horror movies. <laughs> yeah, that were hugely successful. Hugely successful. Scream has more longevity than I know what you did last summer, but um, at the time they were quite both quite successful. Mm. Um, and, yeah, Matthew Fox and uh, Lacey Chabert to a lesser extent. So the... Episode, the show context is quite short compared to the episode context because I have given you an episode from the first season this time. Yeah, I learned little, my lesson. A little bit easier because a little bit easier last explain. time I was a bit confused between which characters were related to who, which ones were married to who. Yes. yes. So the, uh, the show context, the Salinger's parents died in a car crash nine-ish months ago before, this, before the show starts, I think, leaving the kids in charge of each other. Charlie, 24 years old, is technically in charge of the household, though Bailey, 16, is really the responsible one who takes care of things. Julia, 15, is the brains, and Claudia, 11, is a precocious violin prodigy, and Owen is a baby. They all own equal partnership in their parents' restaurant, which is managed by their friend Joe, which is also where Charlie works. Mm -hmm. The episode-specific context, the episode that I gave you was... Season 1, Episode 11, Private Lives. The kids have all started to get on with their lives following their parents' death. Julia has lied about her age to get a job at a bar because she just wants to feel mature. While Bailey has always been struggling in school but is having a particularly hard time now with all of his extra responsibilities. They are required by their social worker to have a nanny for the baby, Owen, but their previous nanny, Kirsten, who was wonderful and really loved Owen and Claudia as well, started having a relationship with Charlie, which he righteously screwed up, causing her to leave. I wrote here, I 
think he cheated on her. Not because I actually remember that happening, but because that's a very Charlie thing to do. It just seems like he's, his character at that point of time was not very grown. No, he was very immature and he was always making silly mistakes like that. So that's sort of the episode context. Kurt, mm. would you like to take it away with your recap that's just a recap and has no commentary? Yes, yes. I try it? to be a bit more succinct this time and I'll try and stick to my own script. Okay. I'll try and do that without awkwardly bumming my chair all the way to the ground and feeling <laughs> a little bit shorter than you. Which is what you just did. <laughs> all right. So episode 11, Private Lives of season one. While Bailey was home rocking it out, the social services worker came. I've kind of, this is the only commentary I'm going to give. I tried to summarize this into similar story paths as it's going on, not each scene as it's all happening, so it can be nice and succinct. Okay. So key part is that when Bailey was home rocking it out, the social services worker came by and saw that almost no one else was home except him. And when Claudia was nowhere to be found, and no notes were actually cited about where she was, Charlie, Bailey, and Julia all freak and file a missing person report out for her. She returns from a sleepover and reveals that she has a crush on a boy, and they realise that after a bit of loud talking, that they actually don't know much at all about what's going on in Claudia's life while they've just been trying to parent her. With a follow-up visit from the social services worker, and one nanny short, which was mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which normally helps out. Um, they all have another chance at 5 p.m. the next day to get another interview with her. And Bailey reluctantly asks the previous babysitter and romantic love interest of Charlie to help out with baby Owen, who's so close to walking. Then when she comes over, they all put on a little show that is a bit over the top and obvious theater to her, pretending to be the perfect family, always together and always working out. But the worker clearly sees through this and is genuinely concerned for their well-being. It is in this scene where we are also realized that Julia has been lying about where she's actually working. It wasn't clear if that was clear to her family. They, they were learning that, that yeah, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they didn't know yeah, where she was where working. She was working. And that also Bailey had been failing school and getting a low grade average. All this while, Charlie was secretly going out late at night and Bailey followed him to discover that he was actually attending architecture night school classes at Berkeley. And Julia's job was at this bar being forced with the other waitresses to wear lewd outfits to drum up business being scantily clad and form fitting. While as a group, she got the entire workforce to agree that it was unacceptable. He was, she and the rest of the waitresses were essentially told to find a new job because they wouldn't fall in line. So while she ended up trying to look for another job or try and do something else differently, Charlie revealed that while they all started speaking out a bit more openly about these sort of things, uh, that he could even take her on a way to a new job while on his way to Berkeley. Despite Bailey and Julia trying to quiz and learn as much about Claudia's life as possible and chaperoning and ruining her date with the boy she had a crush on, Artie, Claudia goes out on her own to actually speak to the social worker and basically ask for some slack to be cut, since no family is perfect, but they have gotten through the past nine months, and that's pretty damn good. After giving the rest of the family another freak out because they had no idea of her whereabouts, Claudia returns home with the good news and rules for them to continue remain in each other's care, for Bailey to lift up his grades, for Julia to ensure she gets a decent part-time job, and for there to be a proper babysitter within the house. That was the other rule, wasn't it? I think so. Yes, that was the other rule. And as this is all happening and they're all amazed at what is happening and Claudia has done for them, little baby Owen starts taking his first steps behind them and the joy of overwhelmingness <laughs> is felt by all. And the overwhelming joy, perhaps? <laughs> yes, I think that's what I meant to write, but did not. <laughs> uh, so that's basically essentially what happened throughout the episode. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah. I... Could not get over Charlie's hair throughout the entire length of this episode. You seem to be very vocal about it. It was like the first thing you texted me was like, Charlie's hair. I'm like, yes, it exists. It's just such Prince Charming flowy like hair. And I really love, I really love the hair in the 90s on men when mm -hmm. it's not just that standard crew cut. And I think in the season four episode that I have of him, he doesn't have much hair. 
Uh, well, he, he cuts it eventually. Yeah, yeah. or uh, shorter hair. And uh, that's the similar kind of hair length that he would have often in Lost throughout his consistency. Well, in Lost, he generally had, like, no hair. It Practically. Was, very, very cut short. really short. Yes, yes. In, in classic mid-noughties style. Yes, I suppose so. But, yes, no, I... I I felt like I'd seen this episode before. Granted, I did watch it a few times. Okay. But I felt like I'd seen this before. Maybe, I don't know, I think, because I did try and watch a couple of other episodes without you. Okay. Oh, not without you, Maybe but I you didn't got, get this far. So did you get this I far? I didn't get this far. Maybe just, it's like, this episode was not the most kind of subversive episode. Like, it's a pretty standard format episode. It was quite predictable in terms of what yeah. things were happening, but I really did enjoy a certain number of elements behind it. Why do you think you picked this particular episode? I picked this, so I decided I was going to pick something from season one, mm-hmm. and then I was caught with the fact that I then had to pick something from season one, which is <laughs> not my favourite season. Right, so you wouldn't normally pick something from season. I wouldn't this normally season. pick something, I, but I did want to find something that was a little bit more accessible yeah. so that you could actually enjoy the episode and um, not, you know, be caught up trying to figure out what the heck's going on, basically. Mm-hmm. I picked this one because I feel that the strength of this show is in kind of it's heartbreak <laughs> um it's when it's when the show gets quite dark or they are kind of threatened to be split up you know the, the point of the show is that they only have each other they have nothing else mm. they have to support each other they have to get through this and i think that when that's threatened that's a really interesting dynamic to me because you see how much they come together yeah and how precarious their situation really is you know how close they are to to losing each other or to, you know, not even taking care of each other, which is the case when they lose Claudia. Like, sure, she happened to just be at a friend's house, but they had literally no idea where she was. No. So I think that that's why I picked this, because it does show, you know, close to how dire their situation can be and how much they their behaviours can actually affect one another, even when they don't think that they can. I do like to see them immediately lift their game as soon as they know that they're not doing enough. Yeah. Even though they're doing a lot. They're trying a lot. A fair chunk of them are still in school. Being in high school is hard enough, let alone looking after your brothers and sisters. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, after the first social uh, services worker incident, we have them immediately, oh, cleaning out the fridge, get lots of greens, you know, lots of green stuff, vegetables, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of no sugary cereals, we're going to make sure there's nothing like that in the house. And while it is definitely overreaching and trying to swing too far the other way in terms of being an amazing parent and perfect, you can't just flick a switch and be like that all the time. Mm. It's really nice to see the efforts that go behind that, especially even when you see them having their little quiz session with Claudia and being like, okay, so who's the boy you're interested in? She's not going to ask me all these questions. No, but we want to know them, so tell us. Yes. Um, And so it was really nice to see the way that they would just step up immediately when they saw something faltering. Mm. Frustrating for Charlie to hold on to the secret, but I kind of get why he was. Yeah, I did find that that was a little bit contrived, that he would go to such extreme lengths to try and keep the secret. Like, It's not a bad secret. I'm going to Berkeley. Yeah. I'm taking night classes at Berkeley to yeah. try to further my career. I understand why he wouldn't want to tell them initially. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just feel like they kept the secret for a little bit too long. Like, So how long has it been a secret? How long has it been doing this? It, it, we definitely got the feeling from Bailey that, you know, there was $400 incident that he wouldn't tell them about for yes. textbooks and tuition or entry fees or something something like that. So this and is the first time it's actually come up in the plot. Oh, so we haven't actually seen it happen We haven't before? seen him go there before. This is... No, but what about the $400? Did we see that a, a few episodes ago? No, no, none of oh, that. Oh, okay, wow. This is the first time it's ever coming wow, up. Wow, okay, yeah. Which is why it's sort of like, it, it hasn't actually been a long-running secret right. on the show. Um, and so that's why I'm sort of okay with him having not told them. Right, yeah, that, that's I, a bit more... I just kind of, yeah, once they were on the path or were, like, questioning him about it, I was like, just tell them. As soon as he starts following you, obviously that's it. Like, it took two (laughs) times of him following him to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I was like, just just tell them. This is not a bad secret. It's okay. I've got to say, it was... um really unsettling, but I enjoyed seeing it there, even though it was a brief scene and Julia's plotline in terms of just when a business can just simply be like, Oh, we're trying to work on something that might actually lift the business. Oh, you're not going to do this. Are you? Mm. Yeah. Basically go just do that. And this, I have a, we have a problem with this. We're not okay with this. We don't feel safe about this. And we feel like we're being objectified. 
Okay, I'll just find someone else to do that for you. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, I feel like this is a kind of a a comment, particularly in America where, mm. A, there's no minimum wage mm-hmm. and everything requ- like relies on tips. Yeah. And a hospitality job like that, you know, if you lose that, that is everything. The and job market in the States is really dire. Yes. And so like it's, it's your, you don't have a sense of stability mm-hmm. because someone else could take your job in an instant. Exactly. And it's, it's sort of an interesting take on it because you see Julia arguing about it and being willing to, to leave her job, but she can leave her job. She's in a situation where if she lost her job, it's sort of okay. Like they're not, the the money the monetary situation with this family is goes yep. back and forth on how precarious it is. She got the job initially because they were in dire straits. They've since kind of recovered from that, and so they're going along fine. So she's she could lose that job, and they would be okay. They get like a monthly stipend basically from mm-hmm. their parents, um, from their business shares. No, it's from their it's from the will basically right. from from what was they had ever in probably their life insurance, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So they get like. I don't know, $1,200 a month or something to keep them going. That's right. I remember us talking and doing like math calculation finances, I think in the last episode on the previous podcast episode, you made me watch because it was just such a different in terms of a dollar amount, even though it was a difference in terms of US dollar or Australian dollar because it was what 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both the exchange rate and being the nineties money was very different, but yeah, so they get a monthly stipend. So they're kind of fine. As long as they live within those means, it's not a problem. So it's interesting that she's in a situation where she is able to argue back with, Mm. with, the business owner because if she loses her job it's not the end of the world whereas you see the other waitresses they're a little more reluctant they do it in the end they're like i don't want to lose this job i don't want to lose this job it could be important if they're trying to pay rent if they're trying to eat like what do you do how do you make that work so it's kind of i kind of like that they were playing with that a little bit i think they could have gone a bit further with it and unfortunately the whole thing is muddied by this whole like the guy who owns the bar also having like a massive crush on Julia, which yeah. is just like the first of many older men who Julia dates, despite the fact that she She's... should not date older men and it's creepy. And it was the nineties. So nobody was really acting as if it was creepy, but it was fucking creepy. And like, uh, Julia, an older man, it's a long running and frustrating trope. <laughs> Well, the only thing that I, uh, one of the main things that stuck out for me, that while Bailey was consistently present in the episode and, you know, trying to be the responsible one, trying to be the one holding the family together as glue, it was frustrating for me to see that his plot line, we didn't really see any evidence of that. It was just something that was mentioned. Yeah, that is... something that we, did we see it in previous episodes when he's actually at school? Because I don't think we've got a single moment of school in this episode at all no you're right this was not a school-based episode some of them are yeah um no this is it wasn't you're right it wasn't really evident in this episode but it is a long long running Mm -hmm. plot line that Mm. is constantly referred back to and you gave it to me in the uh, episode context so i knew it was probably not essential to this episode's watching yeah i just didn't get that experience as part of the episode totally yeah it wasn't it wasn't very well telegraphed in this particular episode but probably because it's been a major plot point in other Mm. episodes you didn't need it you wouldn't have needed it if you were watching it in context yes yes. it's always been very clear that he is he's not dumb he's not dumb by any means that he's really bad at school yeah and i actually really liked the way that he reacted to it so like i'm trying Yes. I'm actually trying. I'm yeah. just like getting a D average or a D minus or something like yeah. that. And they're like thinking about where they could save some money so they could get a tutor. Let's yeah. be proactive about the situation. It's it's really interesting. And again, we are fully spoiled. So I'm just going to kind of jump ahead to like five seasons in the future. <laughs> um, it's really interesting. They make this kind of, it's such a long running plot line that he, like he drops out of university and he, yeah, um, yeah. He really, really struggles with school and he, you know, almost didn't get to go to uni at all. But they eventually, much later down the line, realize that Owen is dyslexic. Mm. And they go, hang on, has Bailey been dyslexic this whole time? Is this why he's always struggled in school? And they realize that, like, 
this whole time it was not his fault. He just can't do the work or he needed extra support. And they might have realized that kind of thing if they had had parents around. Wow. Um, and that maybe he could have had extra support to get through all this, but he didn't, they never, nobody ever worked it out. Yeah. And, and therefore, and, and it turns out this whole big thing about them trying to do better for Owen um, and trying to make sure that he has the support that Bailey never got. So how old does Owen end up being by the end of the season? Is it actually it, well, real time? Six. six. So yeah. they don't do a, a future... Uh, no, they never jump ahead. There we go. They do kind of, there are some kind of weird jumps in Owen's age, but I think it's just because they the need actor. to change the actor every now <laughs> yeah. and again. They, yeah. they change him, I think, for season three, and then they change him again in season five mm-hmm. um, to be an actor from... A TV show that we've done before. No, we've talked about it. Anyway, um, he becomes Tommy from Miracles, which is a show that I made you watch once. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, yeah. And yeah. there's a little boy in that. No, I don't remember who that is specifically. And he was, he becomes Owen. I anyway. Just, I've just seen probably about half of that season. Yeah. And yeah. it was like many years ago. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Owen ends up being kind of six or seven and they end up having like this custody battle over here and it's a whole big thing. Wow. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So it's really, it is a long, long running, very important to Bailey's character that he is, he's very intelligent and he's very, well, he's not very emotionally intelligent, but he, he's clever and he picks things up and he's good, but he's parenting a family essentially. Yeah. He just, he just can't focus at school. He just can't do Mm. the work. I've got to say my favorite moment is probably the favorite moment that you were hoping was going to be the favorite moment in this episode, which is Claudia's speech to the social services worker. That's what breaks my heart. (laughs) It was, I cried twice in this this episode. I did. Uh, not, I only cried once by the third time I'd watched it. Wow. Um, but, uh, the two, points where I cried. Um, uh, the first time was definitely uh, when uh, Bailey was actually like just saying how much he was trying. Yeah. Um, out to these, out to these guys. He's like, I, I, I didn't tell. It was kind of sweet when he and Charlie kind of had that moment. We're like, well, why aren't we just honest with each other? We can just actually talk about our feelings. Yes. Um, but it's really, it was really nice. I'm even tearing up a little bit now talking about it. Oh uh, no, it was just a nice moment because genuinely in TV shows, especially at that time, a male emotional interaction of that realistic weight Mm. isn't something that you see a lot. And it's not something you can have in every episode because it won't carry the same emotional weight. Yes. And it is frustrating. You kind of got to have this thing of men don't communicate with each other for so long before they can have a nice moment where they communicate with each other and try and be a bit more communicative with each other until something else stops them from being communicated with each other, which I guess is most relationships. But it, it was a really nice moment. And I just saw the sacrifice in his eyes and it was reflecting in turn, I guess, behind Charlie's motivations and keeping it a secret as well Mm. in terms of he's trying to put the family first. He's not worrying about, he is like, you know, has got hopes and dreams beyond this, but he's not going to want the family to think that he's putting that before them. Yeah. Which is, again, it's, it's really interesting to see this episode. It kind of sows the seeds for so many storylines later down the track with, you know, how much does Charlie have to give up in order to keep the family Mm. together or running or happy? You know, in this case, he has to sacrifice that field trip, which is a huge part of his grade in order to be there for the family meeting, which he, you know, he can't skip and all that kind of thing. Um, but the moment that I definitely cried a lot more in is when, uh, Claudia was there and it was a really nice moment because you weren't expecting her to kind of do this, mm -hmm. especially after the way the chaperone date went. Yeah. But it was a really wonderful moment when she first says the very, you know, of her age, was she 11 here? She's... 11, yeah, she hasn't yet turned 12. Uh, This 11-year-old saying to a social services worker in an environment that she shouldn't be allowed to expose herself to is saying, like, if you want to know what's best for me, why don't you just ask me? And I'm like, okay, yes, I've heard this before. That's what a standard person would say. She can't really take that into account because you just might think that what's good for you is necessarily what's actually good for you. Yeah. But then she's like, what family is perfect? Legit. Yes, we pretended to be perfect, but we've made some mistakes, but come on. Yeah. (laughs) And the way that she said it sounded a little too mature for her, but in she, the way that she said it was was pulled off. Yeah, and it was it was really sweet. The amount of emotion behind her eyes and how it didn't, you know, topple too much into too teary and just like 
11-year-olds aren't normally capable of that level of emotional manipulation, but it could seem like that or it could seem <laughs> insincere or to that effect or over the top, where I think it was just teetering to the edge on either side of that emotional delivery. It was pretty bang on. Yeah, she's pretty incredible. My, I mean, Claudia is my favourite character. Yes, I did I think remember that. I think we've talked about that before. But what I love about this episode is it kind of does show this part of her personality where like she can be a brat and we see this in in this very episode she sits there and you know when when they don't know where she is she sits there and goes like none of you know anything about my life I'm becoming a woman and you're all missing it so she could be very bratty but she actually feels like a very strong emotional kind of responsibility to her family to actually make sure that everything winds up okay Mm. which is why and and she's like a little bit more mature than you would expect most 11 year olds but that's because she's in a situation where she's also in a situation where she's not just a child in this family she's also she's on equal footing with the people who are essentially parenting her yeah so she kind of i imagine in her brain would go well if bailey and claudia sorry if bailey and julia can go and talk to the social worker. There's no reason why I can't as well. Yeah, they're not mum and dad. They're not mum and dad. So I I can go do this as well. And I think that that is um, such an interesting element of her character that kind of comes up, you know, quite a few times is just that, you know, she has an equal amount of weight in these situations and she takes that both in I want as much attention as everybody else but also I have as much responsibility as everyone else to take care of this family and she takes care of Owen so frequently. Yes, we didn't see it much in this episode but from memory of a little bit of other live scene and the previous episode we did in our podcast, I definitely remember just Owen being in her arms. Yes, yes, Owen, like she, yeah, often ends up looking after the baby because she's the one who's home because she's the youngest. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that 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 is what made this episode really like interesting and beautiful for me is kind of showing that these these kids, you know, they may be on different levels maturity wise, but at the end of the day, they're all actually working to one purpose, and that p- purpose at this stage is just to stay together mm. and stay with the people that I love. Because if you take me away from them, uh, that's all we've got. It's still a survival game. Absolutely. Yeah. The, it, while the last nine months has been through so much and they kind of, it it definitely seems like they're kind of finding their footing. Yeah. This, it's still not, it's not perfect and no. it's not going to be. It's totally far from perfect. And, and, you know, they're basically, all of these people are dealing with things that if they had parents, they would never have to deal with, you know, in, in the first episode, they, you know, Charlie accidentally loses all of this money. Mm. And he has to come back and tell his younger siblings that it's his fault that they can't afford to eat this month, basically. And that's the conversation that if you were a parent and you lost your money and, you know, you had to suddenly care for your kids, you wouldn't have a conversation with no, your kids about it. No, you wouldn't tell the kids. You, you would tell, tell them. your partner but because or they're, friends. Because they're all siblings, they all have an equal right and mm. responsibility to know this sort of stuff, which suddenly means that 10-year-old Claudia is selling her violin mm. so that they can, you know, afford to do things that month, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's, that's what I love especially about this show is just, yeah, watching these kids try and be kids but also try and be adults. How do we do it? I don't know. It's too hard. I, I, I find it interesting, like, the amount of times that you do, like, not excuse, but mention and describe Claudia as bratty. Because I know that for that age, in comparison, she seems like a bratty character because the others are, you know, 16, yeah. 15, 24, 18, whatever. Yeah. But I, in this episode in particular... I thought that she was just reacting the same way that anyone that age would, would well, yes, react. Yes. And it, 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 but what was important for her is knowing a little bit more about her and her violin prodigy and stuff like that. She's enjoying being able to be social. Mm. And this is important for her because she doesn't always feel like she gets this opportunity, yeah. probably because of the increased responsibility or the emotional weight of everything they've recently gone through. And so she's excited that she's actually got a crush on a boy. Yeah. And, like, how do they not know about which teacher she doesn't like? She talks about it all the time. Are you not even listening? Yes. It's the same kind of thing that she would say to her parents, but she's saying it to her brothers and sisters. And unfortunately, because they are in those parental roles and they haven't been always listening, but they've been trying to take care of her, it does fall back on them. So, Or because 
because if they were just regular siblings, you would just be like, go away, Claudia, I don't care. I'm not going to talk to you. Exactly. So I think that that's the problem. And that's what this episode is sort of trying to say is that we can't have the normal sibling relationships that we've always had mm. where we keep secrets from each other. It doesn't really matter because you're just my brother and, it, like, who gives a shit what each other's yeah. doing? Yeah. Just sort of what it's like when you're a teenager and you have other teenage siblings. You don't always know everything that's going on in each other's lives. No. That's not what we get to have here. Mm. We have to be different to what we expect and what we want. It's weird. It's it, I, I know I shouldn't relate it to Gilmore Girls, but I recently did something in a Gilmore Girls for for a recording with a teacher, which was really fun. Cute. Uh, yeah, I ended up like popping in the screen and singing the Gilmore Girls theme song as a backup <laughs> singer. Anyway, uh, it reminds me of them needing to force uh, almost best friend parent hybrid relationship, mm. and it's not coming naturally. It's not coming it's, naturally. It's not at something all. that they are slipping into just because of circumstance. Whereas in the Rory and Lorelai relationship, they grew up together because of the young age that she was having them and the disconnect that she forced between her and her own parents and how she yeah. didn't want to be raised. Here it was thrust upon them and they didn't necessarily choose it. They also don't necessarily know how to deal with it and they're still growing up so much themselves that it's so much going on for each other. There might be some closer similarities and links and emotional weight and relationship and friendship dynamics between the mm. others in closer to their age. Mm. We see that a lot with Bailey and Julia. Mm-hmm. They really, like, they have quite a close bond because they're literally like a year apart. Yeah. And there are times when Julia's helping Bailey with um, his homework and mm-hmm. there's times when Bailey comes to the defense of Julia with one of her many boyfriends and all that kind of stuff. Like they have a close bond and then Claudia and Owen have a close bond and Charlie is so much older than the rest of them. Like he's eight years older than Bailey and he feels very separate, but also doesn't really, and therefore hasn't had a lot to do with a lot of his younger siblings. Was he living at home when this happened? He was not living at home. He was, he had his own apartment and at the beginning of the season, he was still living away from home. Yeah. So he was, he like for the sake of paperwork lived at home. Oh, but wasn't actually, but wasn't actually, he was kind of stopping home to do his laundry every now and again. So it wasn't until kind of the first episode when he accidentally lost $12,000 of their money um, that he kind of realized he had to move back home and take a bit more responsibility because mm. things were falling apart at home. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You can't really be half in and half out in this scenario. Yes. And this is why Claudia now lives in a tent. Oh, yeah. Can I get a little bit of context for that? It seemed really cute, but it didn't seem cute when they were looking into their social services worker was looking over her shoulder and she wasn't there. Yeah. So um, when when the parents died and uh, Charlie wasn't living at home, Julia moved into the parents' bedroom mm-hmm. and Claudia had her own room and Bailey was sharing with Owen. He's always shared with Owen. Uh, but actually, no, I think, I think Owen was probably sleeping in the parents' room when he, when they died. Anyway, and so when Charlie moved back home and moved back into the parents' bedroom, because he obviously is a 24-year-old person who doesn't want to share with his 16-year-old brother, yeah. Julia got forced back into the room that she previously shared with Claudia, and Claudia was like, hell no, I am not sharing a room again. Mm-hmm. And therefore they came up with the solution that she could sleep in a tent in the, downing, in the dining room. That way she had her own room. She had her own space. She had her own space. It's a creative solution. <laughs> uh, and she lives there for two seasons. Yeah. She sleeps in there for the first two or three seasons until eventually they renovate the attic and someone goes right, and sleeps right. in the attic yeah. and she gets her own room. I mean, I can relate to that on certain occasions. Like, I enjoy not sleeping in my own bed sometimes, which is not a good scenario. And sometimes you should just have a certain sleeping routine and pattern and go to sleep where you want to. But I know that as a kid, I loved sleeping anywhere other than my bed. I always really like sleeping on the floor. Yeah, I love I sleeping on the I floor. I don't remember why. It's yeah. just like, let's sleep on the floor. Why? <laughs> well, I remember it was, I've got a very nostalgic memory of the night before Christmas, mm-hmm. which seems like a really bad idea because how are mum and dad going to sneak the presents under the Christmas tree? But we didn't have air conditioning in any but one room mm. in my house. And it was the lounge room where the Christmas tree would always be. And if it was a stinking hot Australian summer in, in the 24th of December, we'd like 
put all these like mattresses on the floor and me and my two older brothers would like all sleep in the lounge room and be like, oh my gosh, it's finally cool. We can actually get some sleep. And I don't know, mum or dad would wait until the absolute dead of the night when everyone was just conked out so much from just the fact that we had really good air conditioning or really shitty air conditioning. Can't remember one of the two. It was just there. It was air conditioning. Yeah. And then put the presents under the bed. So I just loved sleeping somewhere else. It was always exciting and had a different kind of energy to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a small house and a limited number of bedrooms until certain things are made into other areas, me and my brothers always shared rooms. And I guess that does have a bit of a feeling attached to it. Like you would have had to share rooms as well. Yeah, I shared a room with my sister Sarah until I was nine or ten. Oh, wow. And then... And then we extended onto the house mm. and Sarah got her own room. Tell her, yeah, it was about when I was about that age that we turned our veranda into a front room. Yeah. Then my oldest brother got his and then it wasn't until someone moved out that me and Lucas could not be forced to live with each other. Yeah. But it's, I still have that kind of joy uh, when I sleep somewhere else, even when I sometimes sleep on the couch in, in you know, the common area in my share house now as a 26-year-old, I'm just like, oh, I'm somewhere else and I'm falling asleep and the TV's on and I should switch it off. But it kind of feels exciting. I don't know. And I kind of get that feeling. I always want to make forts, but they never. I never had sturdy foundations and we never had any camping equipment. So a tent wasn't an option for me. Hey, remember how we said we weren't going to go on tangents like this and when we redid the podcast? Just a little bit. <laughs> I didn't make forts and I sucked at them. And I just like the idea of a tent and I can appreciate why Claudia is sleeping in one. Ah, that was where we came to I brought it back. (laughs) You brought it back. You brought it back. Yes. No, yeah. So she kind of lives there for a long time and she kind of says like this half is her like living space and Mm. the other half is her sleeping space. And yeah, she kind of loves her tent. Yeah. I I can only imagine though that like when the others are up and watching TV and she would be like trying to go to sleep, it would be so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do understand that. But, um, how would you say it in one to two sentences? Why you love this show? I know you've, you've touched on it a little bit. Oh, it is quite difficult to condense down. Because you have a very over the length of the show reason why you like it. Yeah. I think I love, the reason I love teen drama in general yes. is because I love explorations of identity mm-hmm. and the idea of trying to figure out who you are while not having a necessarily particularly safe and stable environment is really interesting to me. Mm. And that's what they kind of are investigating with this show is if you don't have you know, parents to give you firm rules and guidelines and, you know, a situation that is nice and solid, how are you expected to figure out anything else in your life Mm. if you don't even have that safety net? Mm. And that's what I like about this show. That's what I enjoy them exploring. And I do feel like it's best explored over the series through the character of Claudia because we do see her go through those very formative years. I kind of feel like, Bailey and Julia are a little bit older and and think that they're very mature, so we see them go into adulthood in that way. But I feel like watching Claudia go through her teen years as somebody who lost her parents at age 10 is is a very interesting exploration. Their character development is already partway along. Yeah, I feel like they're already halfway there when mm. we start the series and I feel like we get to see a very good, start like we literally see up to Claudia graduating high school yeah which is like is that the final season that's the final season she graduates and gets into college so that I think is what I love best I'm I'm always gonna love Claudia's storylines the most but you got to see the most of them because I felt like I and I also started watching this when I was quite young Mm. I in fact I didn't really watch very much of it when I was young but I did I always felt like she was the one that I was growing with Mm. Um, no, yeah, that, that definitely has an impact. I mean, I, I was the same age as the Harry Potter kids and you would have been very close to that. Yeah, totally. Even though I wasn't allowed to watch those movies, I still <laughs> did kind of at yeah. sleepovers and things like that. And you can't help but feel a certain kinship when you're that age, seeing things happen to you by someone else. And they kind of tap into your feelings mm. a bit if it's done decently. Yeah. And it 
they cast well with Claudia. I do want to say they, yes. they, they, they really nailed that because that could have not lasted well. <laughs> I mean, when you, you're stuck with someone at a young age, you don't know if they're even going to be interested in acting in four years time. Yeah, no, they did a good job. Yeah. So I, I, I did find that in this episode in particular, I didn't get that feeling about it in terms of the exploring identity. I, but because of contextually, I know things about Claudia and yeah. I've seen a few episodes before this and a few episodes or an episode at least after this, I did get more of that from this episode contextually. Yeah, I can, I do see a lot of that in here, but maybe it is all contextual because I see each of these characters suddenly having to relate to each other very differently to how they have in the past Mm. and, and starting to make those adjustments. And that is part of building your own identity is working out how you interact with the people around you and how, like I've said, if you used to be siblings and now you have to be more than siblings, how do you make that adjustment? They haven't. And now they have to. True. I mean, like your identity, if you are a mother, that is not all you are, but it is not not part of who you are. Exactly. And that is how you relate to this person. Mm. I am your mother. And maybe sometimes you're also a friend, but you kind of need to decide which one is your primary relationship. And in this situation, they all need to go from primarily being siblings to being, you know, the older the older kids need to become caregivers. Yeah, they need to be the ones to say no. Mm. And Claudia needs to learn that these people are supposed to take care of her and to allow them to do that Yeah, and to make sure that she's treating them in that way as well. So that's that's what I love about the show, and that's why I, I that's part of the reason I've picked this episode is because I do I do love it when they end up in these pressure cooker situations where they have to suddenly deal with things that they're not ready for, mm. which is why I later on picked season four where like <laughs> everything is terrible. It was another one with social services being yes, involved. Yes, yes, yes. Was uh, it the same actor? No, I think it was a different okay. social services officer. Um, but yeah, it was. I love these points where they really get to like you know, almost to the ends of their ropes and they have to figure out like, how the fuck do we get out of this? We don't have anybody to help us do this. We've just got to work it out. I do like to see, uh, in terms of the reason why you uh, said you love the show so much and, but I do enjoy that part of the actual identities being part of this, the relationships, the inter, the interpersonal dynamics between these people, uh, through this transition is a part of their identity, which is a really important element to bring on. It's just that, uh, in this episode without context yeah. and without knowing where it was going, it definitely wouldn't have felt that as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I, was strong is the interpersonal dynamics and, the, and those relationships and how they act and how they react. Yeah. It, it wasn't just the acting. What I found was more important and more where I felt for these characters and got on board with them and enjoyed seeing what was happening is when I saw them reacting. It's one thing to act a certain way and to try and put your best foot forward and make a bad decision and probably not tell someone something that you should or don't leave a note behind on the fridge, but way you react to a situation and seeing, seeing how that's affected someone else or what someone else has done and how it affects you. The reaction to that is what really speaks to your character, totally. your baser level instincts in terms of what you really care about and what's important to you. And you saw that on everyone's level, basically, yeah. even if it was just in two lines. Yeah. Or even if it was, you know, a little bit misguided. So like they probably shouldn't have gone overboard and tried to pretend that they were the perfect family, but you can see like that was a logical step for them. Yes. And that's why they did it. And, and like I said last week, intentionality doesn't always matter because the result didn't work out. Mm. But in you know, at the end, they make they make it work. They've yeah. got to make it work, so they do. Uh, so yeah, it's all about those reactions, and we see that yeah from the from Bailey and Julia consistently throughout and the episode. Charlie when they're like, we've got to file a missing persons report. Yes, like, she's got to be at someone's friends, but does anyone actually know where she is? We don't know where she is. What could she's got to be at her friends? What else could it be? Well, well, we just don't dot, know. Dot, dot. Exactly. We can't think about that, but we have to. Yeah. 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 It definitely doesn't look good on the social services report. Sure doesn't. But, but I mean, that's what you got to do if you don't know. Exactly. They didn't try. I mean, they did try to hide it, but they weren't like, well, we can't file a missing persons report because it'll show up in our 
social services report, they were like, we've got to find our, our little sister. Where is Claudia? Do you know where she is? No? no. Okay. Okay. Let's get the police involved. So yeah, I think that you're right. It is very much how you react in this situation is kind of the true test of who you are as a character. And seeing them all react so much for the family, especially Claudia, even mm. after that little incident, even though I thought it was so sweet and almost annoying, and it was, and to an 11 year old, that would be super annoying. And then the dude leaves. The little arty boy leaves because it's not fun anymore. I mean, that's what an 11-year-old would do, I suppose. If it wasn't fun anymore, you don't think about the other person's feelings. But, oh, that, seeing her look away into the distance like that no. hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know, it's cool. I like it. I think it's yeah. a great show. Yeah, no, you I... You seem to have enjoyed it more than I thought you might. I, I did, but only because... It didn't feel over the top. Okay. I don't know why it didn't feel like the over the top. That's okay. I'm maybe glad. Maybe I think contextually <laughs> putting it in the 90s yes. and like while I could predict almost everything that was going to happen in this episode, the way that they say it is something that really sells it for me. Mm. You know, I'm a big fan of, of just delivery. The writing might not necessarily be what I'm excited about. I do enjoy good writing, but if the delivery is right. Yeah. A character can sell almost any line. Yeah. And it really speaks to how they've characterized that persona and their acting capability for you to be like, oh, I wouldn't have thought that character was going to say that at all. Like, I wouldn't have expected Claudia to step up and do this and say a bunch of things that are a bit more mature. But because of what she's been through and the statements she's giving, okay, I do believe it. I do believe this is something that she would do. The the charm and likability of the actors gets you through a lot of shit on this show. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm here to tell you, there are times when I am like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck everybody. Bailey, and Julia, what are you doing? Bailey, Julia, Charlie. 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 <laughs> but, but the fact is that these, these actors, they always deliver it with kind of a lot of humanity mm. and a lot of, like, it feels very honest. Yeah. So it gets you through a lot of stuff that you wouldn't otherwise either believe or... It doesn't or... <laughs> feel too soap opera-y, but I can see because of a show like this gets into six seasons, it's going to have soap opera storylines. Yeah, it 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 devol it. What <laughs> it am I trying to say? and revolves. No, it it delves into. I should say, okay. delves into soap opera territory a fair bit. But it's a teen drama. It's not a soapy. It's a teen drama with some soap opera elements. Okay. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Um. But no, it's not. It's not like an afternoon passion soap opera. No. No. This isn't the bold and the beautiful. This isn't the bold and the beautiful. But it does. It's more dramatic than a my so called life. Yes. Uh. But probably less dramatic than a Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Yes. <laughs> I'd say it's somewhere in the middle there. It's a bit more grounded. Um. But. So much 90s drama, so just like for, for scaling here. It's very interesting. Yeah. 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 So how many eyes? I think the same that I gave it last time. I'm not 100% on that. But I can't I, remember what you gave it last two. time. Two. Two. I'm giving it a, a solid two. Okay. The thing is that the, the predictability aspect of it was is probably what didn't want me to really, like, oh, i got to watch the next episode. Yeah. On rare occasions, sometimes this podcast turns into a way that we just actually genuinely like the episode so much that we just keep watching. Totally. Which is a success, and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about some successes probably another season or so, who knows. But, you know, even last week, Pretty Little All Eyes. Who'd have thunk that would have happened a few seasons later? That's hilarious. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed seeing those actors sell a really complicated dynamic that's been done to death in so many like early zoos movies, like maybe some late nineties movies. Like this, this topic has been done a lot, but it's more of a lens lines of a romantic comedy, you know, with Katherine Heigl or someone else like that. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm thinking uptown girl for some reason. I don't even remember who's in that movie at all. She's got big lips. Um, uh, Brit. She's Brittany dead. Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Yes. I'm going to say she's dead now. Yes. Um, <laughs> But, Do you know that girl? Um, I so I didn't feel like I wanted to keep watching, but I actually did want to go like fill in the gaps, even though I was. Just, I felt like I'd seen this before. That was the weirdest part. I, don't know. I doubt that I actually had, but maybe but it, but in I recaps think, or something else like that. Or maybe it's just that this show is literally like a warm blanket, familiar. It feels like home. It is that what you're feels saying? Like, no, but it is like it's kind of a like delightful family 
not as horrific as Seventh Heaven, but like <laughs> it's it's one of those shows that feels like a little bit comfortable. Yes. So maybe that's why it feels familiar to it, you. It is it is meant to feel like a family, even though it's in a dire situation. Yeah. But it still feels familiar. Yeah. So it definitely felt nice. Yeah. And I think I said something similar to this last time, but it just kind of makes you feel a little warm inside. It sure does. That's the other reason I love it. It just makes me feel warm inside. I don't feel like I've necessarily like furthered any understanding of myself no, or humanity you don't have or to. learn how to deal with raising children at any means. No, sometimes you just want something that makes you feel delightful and, and warm. And the baby walking thing was so corny. I know, but... It was sweet to see them react to it yes. in that way because who else is going to be excited about that now? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a little bit. It's a little dark way of saying it, but nobody else is going to be excited about this kid walking. So we've got a smile. We've got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I would. I really would like you to keep watching if you feel it's... like you want something just warm and and you know, relatively fluffy, but with very, every now and again, just really ripping your heart out. I'm <laughs> interesting. You say that I'm starting to monitor a bit more of what I'm watching. Okay. Uh, while I do do this uh, a lot of the time in terms of what kind of, uh, feeling or emotion I'm feeling or wanting to inspire within myself, yep. I have started shifting also what music I listen to at work. Okay to try, which I really annoy. I just like to listen to whatever the heck I want and sometimes watch whatever the hell I want. However, I'm trying to watch a bit more positive shows. Okay. A little bit less death and dreary and potentially like going off of last week and realizing how much I enjoy flawed characters and flawed relationships and things that probably shouldn't actually even work out working out and continuously beating each other over the head with it. Mm -hmm. This is a bit nicer. It's kind of like an ice cream. A little yes. sweet. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit predictable. It's nothing new and fancy. Yeah, and if you eat too much of it, <laughs> maybe you'll get a bit of a brain freeze. And you don't want to go back to it and you think, oh, I definitely overdid this one. Yeah, but, but you will. You will go back to it. <laughs> I definitely think I will go back to it. I, I, yeah, I think that it is, it is definitely one of those ones that if you just want something nice. The thing that I think sets it apart in at least the experience that I've seen of it is Claudia. I mean, I'm inclined to think that as well, but, but I do I, have to warn you that like this is, it takes a while, I think, for... Uh, the reason I like the late to seasons more is because Claudia grows up a little bit and mm. is a little more developed. I think in the early, in the first two seasons, especially a lot of her storylines are B plots. Yeah. They're not that interesting. They're a little bit more of the comedy thing. Yeah. So that's, you know, there is some of that to get through. She can't have an amazing moment every episode. No, she's 11. Yes. But that's, what's good about it is yeah. sometimes her character storyline is as simple as, wanting to be heard at the dinner table. Yes. It could be, you know, a funny storyline or an awkward date scenario or something to do with music practice or this other bitch in front of second row in science class. But that's relatable for her at this time. Yeah. So it doesn't need and, to be the central storyline. And it also means that when you do get these really heartbreaking moments where she does step up and take responsibility and goes to the social worker and begs them not to be split up, that that really means something because you know that this is something that's very important. Yeah, she's not always going to be the star of the show, mm. but she's the star of the show. <sighs> she should be the star of the show because I hate most of the other characters at no, various times. This is very similar in shows all round. They've got shows with more generic blanket characters that people can imprint themselves onto that yes. aren't necessarily strong in personality or very interesting in terms of what their dreams and goals are, but they're accessible. Yeah. Whereas Claudia is very much a character that is filled out and will change and mm. develop, mm. but if you're not relating to her, you're probably not going to relate to her, but that's okay. Yeah. Doesn't mean that she's not going to shine when she shines. I relate to Claudia so strongly. It's not funny. I don't necessarily relate to Claudia. I relate to some of her probably less interesting stuff. Yeah, right. But just because I think as an 11-year-old, they've captured that pretty well. Yeah. But I... I'm impressed by her. Yeah. And that, that gives me hope. I, I love seeing a strong underage female character. Oh, that sounds weird sorry. saying underage. Praise underage is creepy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. A I really young, love an underage girl. A young female <laughs> character in school working really hard. 
I don't know what to say I now. Know, I, yeah, yeah. To see somebody who's both who's youthful but strong is is a nice trait. Yes, and she doesn't have to be consistently strong, yeah. but to see strength, yes, is a real remark to the Lovely. show. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I'm glad that you gave it two eyes, and I do hope that at some point when you feel like you want something nice to watch, um, you will return to it. Yes. Unfortunately, it has been taken off of Netflix now. It was on Netflix for yes, so previously. long. Yes, previously, yes, yes, I'm really sad about it. Anyway. Damn uh, distribution loss. Damn it. Um, so, what's in your eye this week, then? Well, this week I was a bit obsessed with the recent Renee Zellweger show on Netflix. Oh, yes. Sorry. Before we get into this any further, I just remembered we haven't talked about the reboot yet. I just want to really quickly talk about it. Emails? No, the the Party of Five reboot. Oh, is that still happening? Still happening. <laughs> There's a trailer now. There's a trailer? Yes. Okay. I'm so excited. It looks really delightful. All right. Is it going to be a movie or a limited run series? It's a, it's a full series. Wow. It, it got ordered straight to series before the pilot was even done. And what's the distributor? Uh, it's a free form show. Okay, right, right. So it's actually going on television, not like a streaming service. No, it's a, yeah, it's a real show. Wow. It's a reboot. It's not a re. It's not a revisit. Oh, that's right. It's not a continuation. No, it's no. Restarting it's the restarting show. Restarting completely different. Not completely different characters, but different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, different kind of setting, sort of, because the parents aren't killed in an accident, but they are. Mex- they're a Mexican family. The parents are deported. Oh, right. That's really good. Yes. It's really relevant. Relevant. I would definitely say so. So when does it come out? Do you know? I don't. There's no date yet. Oh, but there's, there's a, still no date. No, there's a trailer, but there's no date. It's it's due for the fall, which means it'll probably be out in, in September. Like September. Yeah, for us. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting to seeing like how much buzz was kind of around that and like seeming like it was going to happen, but when there's a trailer out, it generally comes out that year. I know. I was like, <laughs> there's a trailer. I was so happy because it means it's really happening. It's so weird because sometimes they, we've had these shows sneak up on us and a trailer comes out like a month or two before it comes yeah. out or even just a couple of weeks before it comes out, which is really surprising me sometimes. Yeah. I normally love to go on my trailer binges on YouTube and figure out what's happening for the next three months in television and movies. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's soon. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I might, you know, try and finish the first two seasons before that happens. Which isn't too hard because no. I've got till September. Because they got plenty of time. So sorry, I totally interrupted your. What are you watching? The new Renee Zellweger show on TV. That's uh, on Netflix. It's What If. What If? Yes, I'm not sure it of what for. It's terrible. It is kind of terrible, <laughs> but I kind of really like it. Fair enough. The first episode is the worst episode of the series. Okay. So if anyone's given the first episode a watch and switched off immediately. Just watch the second episode. <laughs> it gives a bit more to what it's feeling and what the vibe is. The first episode kind of feels like a bad 90s action, no, no bad 90s suspense, thriller? thriller, romantic movie. Yeah, that was sort of the vibe I got from it. And I was like, I'm not going to watch that. But I really love Renee Zellweger's character. I got someone else to watch it and they're like, she's a bit overacting in this. And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of love it. <laughs> She's like, you know, got her, she's, she's just, she looks really, she's got these like boss outfits of like, I'm a powerful woman and a titan of a financing industry. And I, I love what she's wearing so much of it. And it's just interesting seeing her in a role of power Mm -hmm. and she's just completely emotionally manipulating and predicting and planning around the people that she has just surrounding her and she's just like, I've got this power and I'm going to use it, but subtly and quietly with a little vibrato in my voice because I breathily talk all the time. Sure. I don't know. I will take your word for it. I enjoy the fact, well, the basic premise of the show is is called What If? And in probably maybe the third scene of the first episode, uh, her and her friends are all having dinner and they play a game of What If? You know, what if this happened, would you let your partner sleep with another person? Or what if this happened, would you do this? Which is just, you know, a little never have I ever or something that you would play while you're having a glass of wine and birthday cake as adults. Or over the 18, you know, you don't have to be an adult straight away. It sometimes takes us a very long time to become adults. Anyway, it's it's a weird show that explores that what-if scenario and how that affects a relationship. Yeah. And you see that through three different relationships, and that relationship takes the forefront, but the rest of the episodes show a little more about the other characters. Yeah. And I generally enjoy supporting characters more than featured ones. 
unfortunately. Great. Okay, well, that sounds like not my cup of tea, but I'm glad that you're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not your cup of tea. No. Um, in my eye this week is a TV show called Absentia. Oh. Which I discovered by accident. Mm-hmm. I I just saw the name and I was like, I wonder what that's about. And then I kind of clicked on it and started watching and really freaking enjoying. Mm. Um, it stars Stana Cartage, Cartage, who is the main cop in Castle. Did you ever watch Castle? Yes. Yes. The main girl cop. Yes. Yes. She's the lead. Yes. And the another one of the characters is played by the the blonde actress from Crazy Head. Oh yes. Who she's American in the show. Yes. And I literally watched the whole first season. And I was kind of like, she looks a little bit familiar to me, but I think she just looks a little bit like Elizabeth Moss. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she's not. I'm sure I don't know her. And then the second season started, and I was like. I really do think I know you. <laughs> but then I finally IMDb'd her and yeah. yeah, that's her. I enjoy how long it takes for us to sometimes IMDb someone because yeah. we like to figure it out. Yeah, I was like, I'm sure it'll come to me eventually and yeah. it just didn't because she she's not only playing an American but also she's playing a mum. Yeah, that's so, quite a difference. Which is quite like she's yeah. not kind of the young ingenuity type character that I've previously seen her in in Crazy Head. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it's about this F- – it's about an FBI agent who goes missing for six years and then uh, comes back and has no memory of where she's been. And is the central character the chick from Castle who's yes. missing? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's it's a thriller and it's very heavily serialised. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I binged the first season in a day. I was sick, off sick work, off work sick yesterday and I pretty much watched the whole first <laughs> season. Um yeah, it's really, really good. It's really suspenseful and you don't know where it's going to go, mm. which I really quite enjoyed. The second season is a little bit less. It's like one of those things where they solve the main mystery of the first season. And they and try it, to come up with another one that so isn't as interesting. It's it's not bad. It's just not quite the same. Oh, yeah, no. After you solve a first mystery that a show is basically based around, whatever follows that is going to be dwarfed. Well, it's a just, little bit. Yeah, it, it's hard to follow that up. I think they've done a good job, but it's just not um, quite as interesting as the first one. I mean, it's kind of like what happened with Blindspot, I suppose, even though they did draw that out a bit more. Yeah. We both definitely, I think, lost steam. I fell off once, yeah, we kind yeah. of got back into that, the the new mystery five years in the future. Or, or adding new tattoos. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, no, that, so what was it called again? Absentia. Right. Really interesting. Highly recommended. I hope that the second season wraps up like as well as the first season yeah. did. I'm, I'm up to about episode eight. I think there are ten episodes. Ooh. I don't actually know if they're all out. I hope they are. Mm. Anyway, so, mm. yeah, highly recommended. Mm. Well, that probably about does us for this week's episode. Yes. Uh, well, uh, we'd like to say to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed listening to this episode in particular. Yes, absolutely. And come find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. Mm-hmm. I've got to get my act together and uh, schedule some posts for that because now I'm going to be social media savvy, apparently. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. Yes, it's been a joy to have you listen to us because apparently you are. So Hooray! thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Which is actually the same year that um, the episode we did a few weeks ago. Uh, so, uh, what was I saying? By the time you get back, you come back to this episode, you'll there'll be an episode. No, no. Like he, where was he? Was he was was? <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.